If I had a smartphone, I could set all sorts of alerts on my smartphone to remind me when my favorite television programs were about to come on. Of course, I don't really need the television because I can watch my favorite programs on my phone. And of course, I don't really need to set the alarms because I can watch whatever I want on demand. It's literally available all around the clock. And what's most alarming, though, is that this same technology brings all those same media choices to my kids around the clock, for good or bad, and whether I like it or not. So we need to learn and teach our kids to learn how to make wise media choices. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, bringing insight to today's culture through the lens of a biblical worldview. Shepherd's Hill Academy is a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and their families as well. Our host on Licensed to Parent is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And uh, Trace, do you remember the days when the television set would play the national anthem at the end of the broadcast <laughs> yes, day sir. around midnight or so, when there actually was an end of the broadcast day? <laughs> right. yep. uh, you'd see the little American flag waving. We're and then dating it, ourselves. Yeah, then it would go to, um, what would they call that, the, you know, the collar bars or the test pattern, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would do that on all three or four of right. the channels we had available to right. us. Uh, then uh, you know, next morning it would start over again. Yep, I guess, yep. and you didn't you didn't have remote controls to change the channels either, Rich. You actually had to get out of your chair and turn the stations manually. Yeah, those were the days. Exercise. <laughs> That's right. And I, you know, I was winded just doing that. But <laughs> I, I had to ask for permission to turn the TV on back then. Uh, my dad called it the idiot box. Um, and th- we're talking 1960s. Yeah. Uh, th- there was no couch potatoes in those days. But think about it, Rich. Before the last hundred years or so, if a grown adult wanted to see electronic screen entertainment, he had to go to a movie house and pay for it. There just uh, wasn't uh, any to be had before that. Most other forms of entertainment were live acts like you know plays, circuses, rodeos, concerts, and things like that. But think about this. If a person wanted to even hear music at all, he either had to learn to play it, which is actually good for the brain, participate in church worship, which is good for the soul, and uh, or pay for it at a concert or other special venue, uh, maybe a circus or whatever. How else would he hear it back then? People weren't plowing the back 40 to headphones. <laughs> I mean, kids weren't, you know, they weren't doing homework to John Philip Sousa play, playing in the background, you know, much less Little Wayne, Eminem, or Miley Cyrus. Today, uh, Young kids can get all that and a whole lot more, literally around the clock, as you said, including hardcore pornography in motion picture and in living color. Yeah, and and as anyone who has listened to this program knows, we are not fans of mom and dad giving kids smartphones or unchaperoned access to the Internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, By that, I mean, you know, accessing the Internet behind closed doors in private. We believe in teaching our kids accountability, but also discernment. And uh, we're always looking to pull others who are in the know into these conversations to help us learn uh, for ourselves and be able to teach our kids, as I mentioned at the opening. Uh, Today, by the way, our latest draft pick uh, and a licensed to parent repeat offender is Philip Telfer. He's the director of Media Talk 101, which is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. Uh, Philip authored the book Media Choices, Convictions, or Compromise. He's also produced and co-directed the award-winning documentary Captivated that you've heard us talk about. And he founded the annual Christian Worldview Film Festival and Filmmakers Guild 
which is held each year in San Antonio. He is a passionate man uh, when it comes to family-integrated church and ministry. He serves as the teaching pastor at Living Water Fellowship in Bolverde, Texas. And uh, by the way, he and his wife, Mary, have been married 26 years. They've got four kids and one grandchild. Philip, welcome back to the Licensed to Parent broadcast, brother. It's been a while. Yeah, well, thanks, Trace and Rich, for having me on your show. Yeah, we need to do it more often. Uh, you have a new book out. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, the book is called Media Choices, Convictions or Compromise. And it, it really is kind of a follow-up from a book I wrote when I first began traveling and speaking on the subject. I wanted to get my thoughts down on paper. It was originally going to be a pamphlet and to, that I could hand out as a follow-up to a seminar. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to find, you know, scriptures that would apply to the digital age. And then it just kept growing. It eventually grew into a book. There's been a lot that has changed. Uh, and I think the smartphone is mm-hmm. one of those and social networks. So I really felt like I needed to uh, just start over, sure. keep what was good in the book, and, uh, you know, d- add a new content that was relevant to the 21st century. When I first began speaking about media, I was primarily talking about content, which is still uh, in, so important sure. to just talk about guarding our hearts and minds when it comes to the content and media. But what has shifted is the availability of that media, right. uh, com- you know, traveling around with you everywhere in a smartphone or a tablet or now your watch. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was the huge shift. Yeah, it went from a quality problem to a quantity problem, but still a, qual- a quality problem. Uh, and this is yes. wiring our brains. When you talk to most people and you ask them how long has the iPad been out, um, they'll tell you, well, I don't know, 15 years, you know, it's 10 years. And most people don't have a, a pre-iPad uh, uh, or, or smartphone mind anymore. They, they just don't know what life was like without those things. It's so prevalent that we think we've always had it. think we've always had it. And, this, and the generation that we deal with here uh, at Shepherd's Hill, you know, it, yeah. it really virtually is all they've had. But uh, what kind of grade, uh, Philip, would you give the average Christian parent when it comes to exercising wisdom and godly discernment? in dealing with um, their family's media habits. And, and this includes all forms of digital technology. Sure. Well, I've had the, the rare privilege, like yourself, to do some traveling and to spend a lot of time in churches, in Christian schools, and other scenarios where I'm engaging you know, Christian parents. And uh, it's, been, it's been pretty frightening to see how many uh, parents just really don't have a clue. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe... They're, they are concerned, but they're paralyzed with fear of knowing what to do. Uh, so, so I don't know. I would give it a D if we were doing the uh, school grade system yeah. from an A to an F. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really think uh, Christian parents are, are woefully failing. I mean, you mentioned in your introduction just the subject of Internet access, and that alone is, is an, a big major F in most Christian homes because – you know, when we think about, you, you wouldn't turn the keys of a car over to your eight-year-old. It's not that an eight-year-old out on a farm somewhere can't have the ability to drive, you know, a vehicle. But generally, we just know that there's a reason why all 50 states have laws that uh, have age restrictions, and because of maturity levels and yeah. just the ability. And for one, an eight-year-old can his feet can barely touch the pedals. But just like we don't hand the keys of the car over because of the danger that would be involved, yet so many parents hand the keys of the internet over to their children unsupervised and and then they wonder why there's a a moral crash and burn 
or, you know, a child getting addicted to internet porn or online gaming. And, you know, essentially, though, they were the ones that handed the keys over. What would be the first thing that you would say that parents should do to try to to move that grade up, at least from a, a D to a C or perhaps a B? What, what would be a good first step? Well, well, the first step is the hardest hill to climb, and that is they've got to be a good model mm-hmm. of media discernment and to demonstrate to their children that they are not being controlled by this, by entertainment and by the digital tools that they have access to. And so, you know, because the, the next step, would I, I would say, is you, you really have to be intentional at mentoring your children on this subject, but they're going to look, they're going to see through the hypocrisy if you're not living it out. And so that's why I see a lot of failure in families is because it's not just a problem that the kids have. Yeah. It's a problem that the parents have. Absolutely. And, in, and so until they can get their lives in line with what God's best is for them mm-hmm. and to show some discipline discernment and they model that, then that's half the battle right there. Sure. And you made the point about it's, you know, now a quantity issue, but it said that the average teen sees about 14,000 images of pornography every year, which is about 38 images a day. Do you have any idea what that's doing to their emotional health, their, you know, psychological, spiritual health? Well, I know I was, I was, you know, when I was growing up as a, as a teen, the only way you were exposed to porn was through a, you know, an irresponsible adult, you know, in your life generally. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was not easy to access, but still being exposed to it, you know, even when I was in junior high and high school, it left a, you know, a lasting negative impact that's taken, you know, a lifetime to, to just, uh, you know, allow the Lord to cleanse my mind and, and keep me on the right track. I can't imagine what's happening in the minds of those who are being constantly bombarded because you can't go to the grocery store without being accosted with it. Right. Uh, Definitely with the smartphones today. And I liken it to, you know, in the Bible, there's a story of Joseph. And uh, when he was a slave, he he was working for this man, Potiphar. Right. And and Potiphar's wife, it says that she came and spoke to Joseph every day. And we know that she wasn't asking him about the weather. Mm -hmm. She was trying to sexually seduce him. But it says every day. And Joseph, though, uh, was trained well. He had uh, convictions. And, you know, as the Bible says, that we should flee immorality. He literally did that when push came to shove. And he was a young man. And uh, you can imagine, you know, being in a slave situation, what does he have to lose or to gain? And yet, um, you know, what I say is the number one Internet filter for anybody today is is the fear of the Lord. It says the fear of there the Lord is go. the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. And if we don't have a fear of God like Joseph had, it doesn't matter how many uh, blocks you can put on, on phones or computers. Uh, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, uh, it's, it's going to be like Potter's first wife hounding every day. And, the, and you're going to stumble and you're going to become trapped. And, you know, and praise God, you yeah. know, Jesus came to set captives free. And so I do believe in the power of Christ to set captives free. I, I actually quote uh, an evangelist that I learned this from. He identifies four levels of the fear of the Lord in the Bible. And the, and the first one that we can all relate to is that, that fear of the Lord regarding avoidable uh, judgment, meaning, you know, we don't have to find ourselves in hell at the end of our lives. That's avoidable. You know, we mm-hmm. can put our faith in Jesus Christ. Right. And it's that, that basic fear of the Lord which often drives people to, to turn to God. But that's not where it stops, because the fear of the Lord, there's another level. And that's the fear of the Lord when it went in regard to the unavoidable, 
consequences of sin. Yeah. You know, we can be forgiven of our sins, First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we can be forgiven, but that doesn't erase the consequences of sin. Right. And so when we understand that, you have a healthy fear of the Lord regarding uh, not wanting to find yourself trapped in sin where there's going to be consequences that you can't undo. And that third level of the fear of the Lord is as you grow in intimacy with God, and that's the thing. People think, well, the fear of the Lord, wouldn't that drive me away from God? But if you, you know, the fear of the Lord, the subject is found from Genesis to Revelation. Right. And we find that everybody who had a fear of the Lord had a close walk, an intimate walk with God. Mm-hmm. And as you grow in your reverence of God, in your fear of the Lord, uh, that third level is the fear of the Lord regarding not wanting to bring shame to the name of Jesus Christ. Right. Because you love him. Because you know that we're here as ambassadors on, on the earth, we're representing, and we want to be a good representation. But that fourth level of the fear of the Lord, which is the most, it's really the deepest, and it's really the most intimate, is that fear of losing intimacy with God. Mm. I don't want to be doing things that is going to, uh, you know, hinder my relationship with God. That's, that's the same thing between, you know, a husband and a wife. Right. You, know? That's, you know, it's like we don't want something to come between our relationship and so it's really about drawing near to God, not, you know, feeling like he's driving a wedge between me, me and himself. Good explanation there, Philip. We're talking with Philip Telfer. Uh, he is the producer, first of all, of the film Captivated that we've talked about a number of times on the Licensed to Parent broadcast. In fact, you can find a DVD copy of Captivated on our website at LicensedToParent.org. And we're also talking about his book, Media Choices, doing our best to uh, become media sensitive and media savvy and make the right types of choices for our own media consumption. But even more importantly, we want to teach our kids to do the same. This is Licensed to Parent, back with more conversation with our guest, Philip Telfer, in a moment. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? 
Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? Help My Troubled Teen. Welcome back. Again, you're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and their families. And today we're trying to help families become media-wise, media-savvy, and most importantly, discerning about the media that they consume. Our guest is Philip Telfer, author of the book Media Choices. And uh, Philip, one of the things that, that we talked about briefly before the program, and I'd love for you to, to touch on it now, is why pastors don't ever seem to address this issue. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon or any type of talk on making wise media choices coming out of the out of the pulpit on Sunday. Why is that? Well, well, you know, I started out years ago as a youth pastor, and isn't that where all pastors start, right? you got to mm-hmm. do your time. Right. And uh, so I was a youth pastor, and I remember spending a lot of time uh, meeting on a monthly basis with other youth pastors in the area. And I found myself often out of step with, with most of them because they had been trained in seminary and Bible school to uh, absorb all the media in order to better relate to the culture. So they figure, well, if the, if the kids I'm trying to reach out to are going to rated R films, then I need to go to rated R films. If they're listening to gangster rap, then I need to listen to gangster rap. If they're playing Grand Theft Auto, then I need to be playing Grand Theft Auto. And so in the, in the reality is, is those things, even if you're a youth pastor, cause you to be desensitized. Yeah. They affect your soul. That, that's and, kind of a uh, lemming mentality, isn't it? If, oh, if everybody you know, else I, is running I, yeah. off the cliff, I'll do it too? Yeah. Yeah, well, but this is how they were trained. This is how they were taught. And so they, you know, they actually had some conviction, the wrong conviction, but they had some convictions that this is, but, but they became uh, spiritually, morally desensitized. Right. Their hearts, mm-hmm. you know, were hardened to these subjects. And so, you know, many of those youth pastors, they themselves, they were compromised. Now, they, like me, they've gone on to become the senior pastors uh, in this generation, and uh, and they continue to be compromised in their own homes, and so they they don't want to be hypocrites. They're not going to get up in front of the the church and say, "Hey, this is an issue," you know, until you know they're going to be willing to deal with it themselves. Right. And that goes back to just like the information that I was talking about the parents. You know, how are parents going to best lead their children? Well, they've got to model it first. And as I've talked to so many teens over the years, uh, speaking at youth groups, when I can get my foot in the door. Uh, I have heard time after time again teens that will will come and speak to me or they'll write to our ministry, they'll email us, and they'll say, you know what, Uh, nobody talks about this. When you brought this subject up, it so resonated with me because I know that there's a problem, but nobody talks about it. And since nobody's talking about it, you're left to think, well, maybe I'm just strange that there really isn't a problem because if there was, more people would be talking about it. Parents, I hope you're listening to this. Parents, I hope you are listening to this. Well, one of the things you mentioned, Philip, you said that in large part, a lot of these youth pastors, and I guess this is true of all pastors, 
they are responding to the culture. They're reacting to what's going on in the culture. Well, right now, our culture is in a place where, you know, traditional families involving both a mother and a father have been thrown out as, as being irrelevant. Moral absolutes are said to not exist. You know, what's right for you may not be what's right for me. Postmodernism. Um, you know, basically the fox is left running the hen house. And um, I, I'm reminded of Isaiah 5, uh, verses 20 and 21. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. That's what our culture is doing and when we're responding to that, how can we help but be sucked into it? Because we're we're actually sort of seeking the exact opposite of what God puts before us to seek. Yes, and when it's yeah, when you're talking about the people calling good evil and evil good, I had a real you know, this is going back. I'm going to go back in time because things have definitely progressed even further. But um, you know, during the years of being a youth pastor, I remember engaging not only youth but parents. And they would, everybody was talking about the, the latest TV show that they just thought was so great. Of course, I didn't have a TV in my home, so I have no idea what they're talking about. And it was this new reality show called Survivor. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, everybody would claim, this is a great show. This is a wonderful show. There's, this is, you know, and they, they, they wouldn't miss it week after week. Well, I happened to be over at somebody's house uh, within the next year or so. And uh, as a guest, and even though I was a guest, they couldn't um, give me the time because Survivor was on. <laughs> so they said, sorry, we have to take a break and watch our show. So I said, well, this will be educational. I'll actually get to ch- a chance to watch some of this show that everybody talks about. Well, I watched about 15 minutes of it, and I left the room. Because what they were calling good, and what so many Christians were calling good, was was. Uh, you know, the game seemed to be honoring everything that was evil. You know, yeah. if you wanted to get ahead, you had to lie, you had to cheat, you had to be mean to people. Um, you know, and it says in Second uh, Timothy 3, know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And the next verse, you know, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy does not go on to say, so therefore you should model this. You should call this good. We should make media that looks like this. And he says that these having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Now, he wasn't saying don't evangelize them. He's not saying don't go reach them with the gospel. He's just saying this, is, this shouldn't describe the, the friendship that you have with the world. Right. And now we have, um, we've brought that into our homes through TVs, through computers. We, we go to the theaters, uh, on the radio. All these, what Paul was describing describes our culture, and it's what's entertaining Christians. And, and they're calling it good. They're calling it good but it's really evil. It describes our average youth group, Philip. Uh, you know, we do a test here at Shepherd's Hill. You might find this very interesting. We play nine songs, little uh, snippets of nine songs, and we stagger them. Songs one, three, five, seven, and nine are um, classical, real beautiful music. Songs two, four, six, and eight are headbang and screamo music. 
and I asked for just one word to describe their emotions. And on songs one, three, five, seven, and nine, you get emotions like love, peace, God, angels, heaven, majesty, beauty, uh, all, all these these wonderful uh, uh, adjectives. And I said, okay, well, let's go over this and describe songs two, four, six, and eight, the screamo music. And I get death, destruction, chaos, uh, devil, demons, hell, uh, rage, uh, insanity, all kinds of stuff like that, right? The raging, screaming uh, stuff is the Christian music. The beautiful music are all soundtracks to Hollywood movies. So the shocker for the adults is that this is what most youth groups are playing and their kids are leaving with all these dark ideologies. The question is, can we be entertained by things that grieve the heart of God and expect God's blessing in our life? Yeah, well, I believe, you know, ultimately it's about a growing relationship with Christ, you know, and media becomes both um, symptomatic and problematic, you know, so symptomatic in the sense that when you look at a, a teen's media choices that they make, or even a youth pastor in the youth group, what kind of media choices they're making, oftentimes it's a symptom of a deeper problem. Mm -hmm. There's something broke. You know, there's something that's not right. The relationship with God, the time spent in the Word, a commitment to biblical principles, uh, even just the most basic understanding of what it means to make disciples. But here's where, where media becomes problematic. If you've got a teen whose heart is already distanced from God, and because it's distant from God, he's gravitating towards the things of the world, the things that are against God, the things that, f that fuel the flesh rather than the spirit, the things that provoke rebellion and anger and, and the things that's feeding this, you know, the sin monster in his life. Well, you know, now media is not only a symptom, it becomes a problem because it continues to feed that and to also distract that young person from getting their eyes off of that onto, like you said, the things that are, are beautiful, yeah. the, where you're going to find peace. Of course, the, you know, the understanding the gospel and that uh, Christ is, is longing to have a real relationship with them that's going to bring about transformation. It's going to change them. Of course, I, you know, I'm not speaking, I, I grew up in the church, but I was, uh, I was one of those rebellious kids going to youth group. And, um, but at 17 years old, uh, the Lord brought me to a place where I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and began to follow him. And shortly after that, began to get involved in ministry. But prior to that, I remember what it was like being terrified of wanting to do good. I actually thought, man, who would want to live their life doing good things? I mean, because, you know, sin is so much fun. But that's the lie of the it enemy the because lie. sin has its consequences. Yep. And my heart was so empty. My life was so broken. And, and so the Lord uh, really transformed me as a, as a teenager. So I know that he can do that. But media is one of the big stumbling blocks, you know, driving kids away from God and distracting them from the message of the gospel. It absolutely is. And the, the tragedy is that no one seems to realize it. And, uh, you know, the proving ground we have here at Shepherd Till is that once you pull kids out of that culture and they get to see, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. Boy, then they get starving for the, the truth and good things happen. Gentlemen, I need to jump in here real quick because the clock has been going faster than we have. <laughs> uh, Philip, would you mind staying with us and uh, being, uh, being with us on the next program as well? Because Trace has another 73 pages of questions. <laughs> oh, I would love that. All right. Well, <laughs> awesome, we're going to pause in our conversation here and we will continue next week. Our guest uh, today 
Unlicensed to Parent is Philip Telfer. He's the director of Media Talk 101, which is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment. He's also the author of the book we've been touching on today, Media Choices, Convictions, or Compromise. Uh, Philip also produced the award-winning documentary, Captivated, part of which was filmed here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. And you can learn more about his work online at mediatalk101.org. And you can find that DVD captivated on our website at licensedtoparent.org. I'm Rich Rosel. On behalf of Trace Embry, thanks for joining us today. And please be back with us next week for part two of our conversation with Philip Telfer right here on Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will or something else will. God bless you. See you next time.